Okay, so we're up to Chavav Amid Beis. We're up to Tepekle. Um, um, it's about, I don't know, 20 lines up. First one on line is Hilakhe, the Tepekle. So the Gemara is like this. We just started. We just started. So the Gemara. Yeah. So the Gemara, the last thing the Gemara said was. Yeah, the last thing the Gemara said was. The Gemara's, the, the Mishnah's premise is that we don't want the Amaratzim to touch the Shulchan, because if you touch the Shulchan, it'll become Tameh. And then the whole discussion we had yesterday is, why is it Tameh? It's, it's a wooden item that's not meant to be moved, so the answer is they do move it. Yeah. But the problem is, the tape of the Gemara just says, forget about it. It's not a wooden item at all. It was wood that was covered. It was covered. So if it was covered by metal... So the Gemara says, What about the fact that it's covered? And we're going to see in a moment, the covering of an item is the most chashiv. It creates, it, meaning if you have an item that's covered by glass, it's considered a glass item. It, when it comes to, to Matahara. So the fact that the Shulchan is covered by a metal covering, so that should be enough to make it. It's not wood anymore. So why are you saying the whole thing that it's wood? It's not wood. The tape clay mishum What about the fact that it's covered? That's not as the Mishnah says. Hashulchan baldufki shenifchasu. If you have a shulchan, a table, not the shulchan, a shulchan made of wood that gets broken. So one of the ways for tumah to be removed is if the item is broken to the point where it's not usable anymore. So if it's niftachu oy shechifon, or it's covered by stone. The halach is stone. Utensils are not makabel tumah. So if it's covered on top by stone, so then if it's entirely covered by stone, it becomes stone. The Gemara says, uh, So how do you know? So if it's covered, when is it considered officially the uh, the material of the covering? When is that the ichor? When it's completely covered. But if it's not completely covered, meaning there's still a part of the table that you could leave cups on, then it's considered the original table. If you left over, meaning if the original table broke, but it still has place left over to hold cups, or it's covered with stone, but it still has place where the original wood is exposed to cover with, to put cups on, then it's considered still wood. But if it was entirely covered, it's considered stone. Rav Yudah says it's not enough for it to be a place for cups. You need cups and also meat. It has to serve as a functional table, which is cups plus food. Point is, though, if it's completely covered by stone, it becomes stone. So the shulchan is covered by metal, so it should become a metal utensil. So why are you handling whether it's wood, it's not meant to be moved, it is meant to be forget. It's not wood, it's metal. So the Gemara says, okay, so that's the question. So the question is, so why is the shulchan treated as a wooden utensil in halacha? Regarding to Matara, it should be treated as a metal utensil, because it's covered. So Gemara Maybe the reason why it's not considered metal is because what type of wood was it made out of? It was made out of Atishitim. Atishitim is very, very expensive. So maybe the reason why it's not it's considered it doesn't go by the covering is because the wood is more valuable than the covering. And perhaps we only go by the covering when the wood is, is cheap. But when the wood is expensive, we actually consider it a wood item. The problem is that's not true. The problem is we always go by the covering, according to Rav Yechanan. The Gemara says, That makes sense according to Rish Lakish. The Rish Lakish says this, that you go by the covering and not the wood, is only true by Aksalogim, which is a type of cheap wood. But 
but wood of mesamim wood, which is apparently very expensive, loy botli. It, the, the covering doesn't count. It's the ikker is considered the wood itself. Then shabi, then it makes sense. So atzei shitim is very very chosh of a wood, so it's considered a wood utensil. El Rav Yechonan da'amar afilu b'klim isamim nabi but according to Rav Yechonan that he holds that it never matters what the material is made of. It's always considered the covering that's the ikker. So the shulchan was covered by gold. So why why are you treating it? As a wooden utensil, it should be treated as a metal utensil and it's metal tumma. So that's the question. So the Gemara says, perhaps it's not considered the covering doesn't count by the shulchan because it's not hammered in with nails. Meaning perhaps it's only considered covered in halacha that you go by the covering if it's nailed in. But the covering in the shulchan was not nailed in, it was placed on top. The Gemara says that's also not true. Does it matter whether it's nailed in or not? That was his question. And does it matter whether it's covering the, the border or not? So he answered, said, It doesn't matter whether it's nailed in or not. It doesn't matter whether it's covering the sides, the border or not. Meaning, According to Rav Yechanan, the cover is all that matters, always. So back to the original question, why is the shulchan treated as a wooden utensil? It should be treated as a metal utensil. So the Gemara says, Shani shulchan, go to the last page. The answer is, the reason why it's treated as a wood is because the Pasuk called it, calls it eights. Correct. The Pasuk specifically called it eights. Okay. Now the Gemara just has a side point, which is a very famous Gemara, that the Pasuk starts off by calling it Mizbeach and then ends up by calling it the Shulchan. It calls the Shulchan the Mizbeach, which is weird. So the Gemara says, Why does it do that? They both said, When the base of was around, when you wanted a Kapar, you brought a carbon on the Mizbeach, but actually now there's no Mizbeach. Shulchan is The Shulchan is Mechaper Love. Rashi says, By having guests and feeding the poor, that itself brings the kapara. So the shulchan nowadays is called the mizbeach because the shulchan brings the kapara because you get atoned by having achnasas archim and poor people over to your house. Yeah. And here they're in agreement. Exactly. And end with shalom. The Gemara says like this. Um, we, we said, though, that the, the two items that are not susceptible to Tumah are the Mizbeachs. Why? Because they're treated like Adama. Why are they treated like Adama? Because the Pasuk calls it Adama. How do you know this? It's called Adama. And just like the ground is not Makabal Tumah, so to the Mizbeach is not Makabal Tumah. And Mizbeach Azov, the golden Mizbeach, the Pasuk calls the Mizbachos, a plural Mizbeach, meaning... The Mizbachos are connected. Just like the outer Mizbeach is treated like the ground and not susceptible to Tumah, so to the inner Mizbeach is not, is not susceptible to Tumah, it's treated like the ground as well. One last sugya. The, um, the, the Ravelezer Shita is that the two Mizbeachs are not susceptible to Tumah because they're called the ground. Then the Chum said these words, because they're covered with metal. Now, that would be a reason to make them susceptible to Tumah. It sounds like the Chacham agree with Rebbe Yezer that they're not susceptible to Tumah, 
because they're called the ground, but they said it's because they're covered with metal. Covered with metal is a reason to make it susceptible to Tumah. So what exactly are the Chacham doing? Adaraba, keeping the Mitzubinenu Mitamu. The fact that they're covered with metal, either gold or bronze, that should be a reason why it's susceptible to Tumah. So what do the Chacham mean? So the Gemara says, Eima v'cham mitamen First approach is the Chacham actually disagree with Rav Liezer. Rav Liezer says the Mizbeachs are not susceptible to Tumah because they're treated like the ground. The Chacham say, no, they're, they're surrounded by metal. And because they're surrounded by metal, they're considered susceptible to Tumah. That's the first approach. The second approach is the Rabbana agree with Rav Eliezer that they're not susceptible to Tumah. But they're disagreeing why. See, Rav Eliezer said they're not susceptible to Tumah because they're called the ground. The Chum say, forget about that. They're, they're wooden utensils that are not meant to be moved. As we saw yesterday, wooden utensils that are not meant to be moved are not susceptible to Tumah. Aye, they're covered by metal. The metal is bottle. I mean, when the Chums say that they're covered, what they meant is, what are you worried about? The covering? The covering is insignificant. And therefore, they're considered wooden utensils. And wooden utensils are not susceptible to So when they said that they're covered, what they meant was, what they meant was, you're treating it as a metal utensil that should be susceptible, and that's why you need a Pasuk to tell me, no, Mizbeach, Adama, forget about it. The, the covering is insignificant. It's Batel. And therefore, it's considered a wooden utensil. And a wooden utensil is not susceptible to Tumah if it's not meant to be moved. Huh? Oh, so, that's a very good question. So, Taisva says, um, now it could be that they hold, they disagree with the sugi that we had before, which is, the sugi that we had before was that the, the covering is considered chashiv. Um, um, Rashi says, Oh, so they, they, they go with the approach that we had before, that when the Pasuk calls the Shulchan Eitz, it calls them as Beach Eitz as well. I mean, the, the Torah calls it a wooden utensil, and a wooden utensil, it, therefore, the, the, in this case, the covering is insignificant. That's the Gemara's Pshat. So at the end of the day, everybody agrees that the covering of the And the Shulchan... No, I think Rabbi Eliezer would actually hold the covering of the Mezbeach is significant, but and that's and the reason why it's. I mean, everyone agrees it's not susceptible to tumah according to this approach, either because the covering is insignificant, or the covering is significant. It's just called Adam. Correct. So the Gemara says like this, just to finish up the Masechta. The Gemara, the Masechta ends off with uh, Gadita. The Gemara says. Even if the Chasashal made a mistake, the fire of Gehenim cannot affect them. A salamander. Salamanders, they had these type of animals in the times of the Gemara. We still have salamanders today, but it's not the same animal. That it was like a, the, the blood, you'd cover the blood, it was like a, 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 a fire, a, a retardant. It would pr- protect you from the fire. So the Gemara says, Ma salamander This salamander is connected to the fire. And if you take the blood and cover your body with it, it'll protect you from the fire. which are called fire. That they're, they're, in, they're ingrained with Torah. And Torah is fire. So fire will not affect fire. Alachas kama vekama. The Masechta ends off. Amri Shlokish. Ein arshel gehenim shaletis bepoishe Yisrael. That the fire is not going to even affect those Jews that are sinners. Kavachoyim and mizbeach hazov. It's a kavachoymer from the the mizbeach hazov. Ma mizbeach hazov she'ein alavu koyve diner zov. The mizbeach hazov, which was lit on fire every day with the katayrus, and it only had a thin amount of gold, and still kamashana ein shaletis boy. Still the fire could not ruin it. 
Paisha Yisrael Shemalei Mitzvahs Karimain, then the Paisha Yisrael that are filled with Mitzvahs like a pomegranate, they'll say, Kepelech Harimen Rekasecha, Al Tikri Rakasecha Le Rikonim Shabach, even the empty ones are called, filled with Mitzvahs like a Rimo, Naachas Kama Vakama, Sahajalachim Rekai, Deshlikam Sechim Mechagiga, a big mazel tov to all those that finished. I'll be honest with you, I, I have not, since I'm 19, I have not. I'm not going to, I'll just read the first two words because I'm not actually going to be able to understand the mission. I didn't prepare yet. But um, uh, the point is, it's a, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I have not finished a Seder of Shas since I'm 19 years old and it's been many, many, many years. So, Yashukach to everyone that's involved. Um, a big Mazel Tov. We're going to keep it up. I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll read the first few words uh, of the next Masechta um, and we'll pick this up tomorrow. Tomorrow we'll start Yuvamis. Um But again, a very, very big Mazel Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Um, the next Masechta is Yavamis, and the basic premise of the first Mishnah, I'll show you the premise. The premise is that if a husband, a man dies childless, then his wife does Yibam. If he chooses not to, or nowadays, we do Chalitza. Now the Halacha is, if there's multiple wives, and one of the wives is ineligible, then there's no Yibam for anyone. So this is what this Mishnah is giving. It says, There are 15 women that if they're one of the co-wives, and because they can't do Yibam, right? Let's say they're the type of relationship that they can't do Yibam with their husband, with the with this brother-in-law, because their relationship is not allowing them to marry this brother-in-law, then then there's no Yibam by anybody. And again, we'll, we'll, uh, I, I don't want to do it, not do it justice. I'm going to prepare now, and then tomorrow, Bez Hashem, we'll, uh, we'll pick it up. All right, shkayach, guys. Mazel tov again. Recording stopped.